Hey, Alex. Hey, Kirsten. Do you know why Sabrina asked us to come here? It's so crowded in this place. Not sure. Have you seen Will? Last time I heard he was on a silent research paper writing retreat in Nepal. Wait, I, I think I see him over there. Hey, Will. Hey, guys. How was the silent retreat? It was okay, but nobody would give me any comments on my writing. It was sort of like, wait, is that Sabrina on the stage? Violin, violin, everyone. Quiet down, take your seats. So, thank you so much for coming this morning on short notice. Thank you especially to the members of the press and to White Castle for sponsoring this event. Turns out you'll all be getting your fill of multiple burgers today. I have very important news to share. Astro Soundbites, the podcast we all know and love, is going on a break for the rest of the summer. I know, I know, but everyone needs to take some time for themselves. We'll be coming back September 24th, so you won't even get the chance to miss us. That was the bad news, but I also have good news for you all today. Squad, drumroll please. Did she hire a drum brigade? Is that where all her grant money went? Wait. Yeah, it, it definitely went to that and, and not the Astra Sound Bites blimp that I accidentally popped. I'm here to announce officially that the Astra Sound Bites Sonification Challenge 2022 is now open. Sonification is the representation of data through sound and in many ways can communicate information that doesn't come across well visually. Sonify an astronomy related data set, whether from your own work or a publicly available source, and submit it on astrosoundbites.com. In keeping with our episode 60, the focus of the challenge this year is instruction, and we'll evaluate each submission on its ability to effectively communicate an astrophysical concept. So get creative and let's hear what sounds you all come up with. You can read all the rules on our website and make sure to listen to episode 60 for more on sonification. I'll now take any questions that people might have, and we'll start with that tall gentleman in the back. Well, thank you for arranging this press conference, Sabrina. Uh, we should also mention that the deadline for submitting a sonification is October 21st, which happens to be the start of the Orionids meteor shower, and that's going to be due at 5 p.m. Eastern. We should also mention that the submissions to most effectively communicate an astronomy topic will win some cool swag. And we'll talk about that more when we come back from break. Yes, thank you, Will. Who else? You, sir, the even taller gentleman, also in the back. He's not taller, he just has a bigger hairdo. Taller, bigger, better, call it what you will. Sabrina, where do we start if we think sonification is cool, but we don't know much about how to do it? Sabrina, could I take this one? Of course, go ahead, Kirsten. There are a variety of tools out there, from Sonify to Astronify to Two-Tone. We provide a breakdown of a few tools in the Beyond Astrobytes post that we'll link to in the show notes. And we talk more about the pros and cons of each of them in episode 33 and episode 60. At the end of the day, the best tool for you to use should come down to your level of coding experience and your desire for customizability, simplicity, and aesthetic appeal. Yeah, and you can find all these details and more on our website and in the show notes. 
So the challenge is underway. Sonification is alive and well in astronomy. And to get a little inspiration for the challenge, our reporter in the field, Alex Galliano, sat down with someone creating a symphony from a series of exploding stars. Could we get that playing over the speakers now? Alex Galliano here. I'm live in the field in Tucson, Arizona, where I've arrived for the 2022 Vera C. Rubin Observatory Project and Community Workshop. And I've met someone working on sonification and doing some really exciting things. Hi, my name is Jendaya Wells, and my pronouns are she and her. I go to Lincoln University of Oxford, Pennsylvania. I'll be a junior in about two days. And Congratulations. Thank you. I'm a <laughs> music major and business management minor. That's a unique combination. Yeah. Okay, Jendaya, we're really excited to have you joining us. First of all, congratulations on a really successful poster presentation at Thank the Project you. and Community Workshop. You work in sonification. Tell us a little bit about how you got started in that. Well, as a music major, my advisor, my now advisor, Dr. Christine Lim, we had a music theory class over the spring semester. And towards the end of that semester, she presented me and a bunch of other music majors about this opportunity to work with Dr. Federico Bianco and a graduate student, Riley Clark. And so each of us had to submit a resume and also write an essay talking about our passions in music and how we could help with this project. I didn't really know much about what it was. I knew I, on the flyer it said, you know, sonification, we need help with coming up with music stuff and just, you know, come to us and we'll choose you. And there's a, a stipend. So <laughs> that was a plus <laughs> to it. Yeah. And so last semester was very busy for me. So as a music major, each student has to perform at least twice in that semester, like a set of songs. And as I'm a vocal performance major and some people, they have, in, they play instruments. So I had about at least seven songs to practice and perform. Wow. <laughs> So it was me dealing with that, dealing with my other classes, and also getting this essay together so that I can work with these people. And so I luckily was chosen, and I was so shocked. <laughs> and it seemed like a lot of things, a lot of good things were happening. Um, I was chosen to work with these people. I also got a couple of awards, like I got the Music Student of the Year, and um, I was really shocked. A lot of good things were happening. So I was just like, wow. So I'm really, you know, hopeful for this project. So the first meeting, I was introduced to them and they explained to me and my teacher what sonification is. And that first explanation wasn't <laughs> as clear <laughs> as it is now. Okay. Yeah. And so basically me and Dr. Lim we would meet, we still had classes. So we would, you know, we're talking about what we're going to be doing. In the beginning, they first played their uh, sonifications and they had put a set list of certain instruments. And as musicians, me and Dr. Lim are in charge of making it more memorable and more uh, pleasing to the ear. I, well, it was mainly my job. <laughs> Dr. Lim advised me and helped me out. And uh, I'm really grateful for that. And so each week we would meet on Fridays and at around 1230, considering, you know, I'm, we're all still in school. So we would meet and talk about what we need to be doing before the PCW. 
PCW for those listening is Project yeah. Community Workshop. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was told that I have to put a poster together and I'll be presenting with a bunch of other undergraduates, which was kind of scary for me because even though I'm a vocal performance major, I get shy. <laughs> I get a, a stage fright. But I was still excited. I was still excited. For someone who describes themselves as shy, you are incredibly articulate. Thank uh, I don't think you should be nervous talking to people. But of course, it's different. Yeah. You know, in your head. <laughs> <laughs> I psych myself out. Like even at the PCW, we had to do those pitches, the 30 second pitches so people can come to our poster. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, I was super nervous to get up on stage. <laughs> yeah there's a big camera on you and all the lights are shining in your face yeah yeah I was just like getting more and more nervous I was like what is wrong with me I do worse things than this (laughs) that had to have been a huge learning curve jumping into like an astronomy field with a bunch of astronomy people and fielding questions from astronomers it was definitely like like a culture shock almost because I I'm I'm just a music major. I have learned about astronomy and I'm really like grateful for everything that I've learned, but there's just so much more that I'm still learning. And, you know, everyone's coming up to me uh, talking about, oh, I work with this and I do this. And this is just so great because I do this. And I'm just like, wow, like (laughs) there's a lot of (laughs) my my colleague, Riley, he was telling me that what my poster was one of the popular posters. And the poster session was between five and six. <laughs> so even after six o'clock, going on to like 630, I was still talking to some people. <laughs> so, I think that's the sign for how successful your project yeah. was. Could you just give a broad overview of what the project was and how you contributed to it? I was given uh, different sonifications to put different instruments to and use my musical abilities to uh, give the sonification a better sound, um, make it a little bit prettier. And basically the reasoning for all this was for to help those that are visually impaired and those who are not astrophysicists and who may ask the question, oh, what does this sound like? Or what does that sound like? And that's where Dr. Bianco came up with a great idea to get music people involved. So that was me and Dr. Lim's job to just make it sound prettier. And in the process, I also learned about coding and things such as Google Collab. I've never heard of that. (laughs) (laughs) And I also joined in hackathons to learn more about that code. You were sonifying light curves, right? Brightness over time. Mm -hmm. Where did that information come from? That came from the legacy service space and time data. We call it Ruben data too. (laughs) So Ruben is not yet online. It comes online in two years, but this is simulated data for what Fair Ruben Observatory will observe for right. supernovae. That's right? Yes. Cool. Okay. Can you talk about what specific music design choices you integrated into the sonification to meet the goals of the project? So specifically, like, what did you map to different instruments and what motivated that choice? And how did you build up the whole sonification? You know how you would listen to an orchestra and each instrument is there together. Each instrument in the beginning of the sonification did not sound together to me. And as a musician, me and my teacher, we have that ear that's just kind of like it bothers us. 
sure. <laughs> and so I, I guess in the beginning, I wanted to take more of a, a song choice. Like I thought maybe I could probably make it sound like a song, an actual song. And that's just how I am. I, I wanted to go above and beyond, but there was only so much I could do with the Ruben data. I tried to implement instruments such as the acoustic guitar or the drums or whatever. And there was also one of the choices were like voice ooze. And by choices, I mean like a set list of instruments and things that I'm able to use. So there was only so many instruments that I could use. Not every instrument that I wanted to use could be used in the code, which was very upsetting because I had a lot <laughs> of errors and I didn't realize it until like, as we started working more and more in the notebook. So I ended up switching out the drums and the acoustic guitar, unfortunately. So, and I just went with more of a classical approach. I wanted to use the violin, the cello, um, the trumpet, the flute. And this wasn't an idea in the beginning, but we ended up using the tinkle bell. And each of this, in each of the sonifications, there's different bands and each band goes to a specific color. And so the tinkle bell was used how? The tinkle bell, um, it being one of the last instruments that we used, I so we noticed that the Y band in the sonification was one of the most used. We switched out bassoon for tinkle bell. Certain instruments can go, only go so high. And so those notes were really high notes. And so when you hear certain instruments, I didn't want it to sound unreal or synthesized. So I, me and my teacher decided that we would use the tinkle bell so that you can hear that bell and that you know that it's a bell because it's making that really high pitched sound. And instead of a bassoon making a weird sound, <laughs> sort of sounds like, yeah, this is definitely... Uh, done on a computer. I didn't want it to sound like that, even though it was. I didn't want it to sound like um, everything was created through the computer. Sounds like your contributions were really valued because when sonifying, you know, it's a little like the Wild West. People are still trying to figure out exactly what makes sense and what's most effective. Right. On this show, we've talked about how sonification tends to fall into one of four categories. And there's overlap between these categories, of course. The four are inspiration, innovation, inclusion, and instruction. Hmm. Which of these themes do you think your work most closely falls into and why? Maybe inspiration, definitely for, um, in my case, as a music major and not really knowing much about sonification. And then towards the end or towards, and probably in the middle of me working, I, you know, got some ideas, a lot of ideas for the Ruben data. And then also we wanted to make the sonifications memorable. So, you know, just so that people think about it. It's something to, it's definitely something to think about with um, the Ruben and LSST data. You mentioned that each band or filter is mapped to a different instrument. And that might be really effective in telling you about the different filters to someone listening. <laughs> Tinkle Bell is mapped to the Y band because maybe it has a more dynamic range, which allows you to reach those higher notes where you wouldn't be able to with the bassoon. That's a design choice that helps communicate real information from the original data. Mm -hmm. I think you also did something with volume. Can you talk uh, a little bit about that? In terms of like the pitch. 
we we associated it with higher sounding instruments or instruments with a brighter sound. We use that term a lot, brighter sound or like bluer sounds. Instruments such as like the flute and trumpet, I associate with bright because they produce like such a sharp sound. Those were like associated with the bluer bands. It's interesting. It's almost like a synesthesia way of thinking about it, where you're mapping visual qualities to the instruments. Right. And then you more naturally make a connection to the observed data. It's really interesting. So the more uncertain observations are quieter? Yes. Got it. Okay. So in the sonification, it's harder to observe the data that is more uncertain, which mm -hmm. makes sense yes. uh, in real life. And it's easier to hear the things that are more confidently detected. Right. Very cool. All right. So we've talked a lot about sonifications. Can you play one and describe for us what we're going to be hearing? Sure, sure. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That was so pleasant. <laughs> yeah. And so our other uh tracks over here, they play like um you can see like on the staff, on a musical staff, um, there's they have the notes and there are uh ledger lines. So that like those notes either play really, really high or really, really low. Would you like to hear like the tracks or of that instrument? I have the tinkle bell. You see over here like the Y band. Got it. So you're saying in a particular object, you've also isolated just one single band right. to play the sonification in a single instrument for that. Right. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. On the visual interface, you have drawn an actual staff <laughs> with notes corresponding to the like curve that you plotted was that so that you could better understand the data well this was mainly for connection between um, musicians and astrophysicists uh we we wanted to have that connection and show that this is what you know those musicians that helped us or me and dr lim this is how we work on things like this yeah i mean we talk about sonification as being beneficial for more auditory learners but being more of a visual learner i better understand the connection between the sound and the light curve by just looking at the staff and seeing the shape that the notes take on it that's really cool yeah is all this data public online we have a website it's called ruben rhapsodies uh, nice. Still trying to put out that link for people. So on my poster, we had a QR code. So when I post the PDF of my poster, people will be able to go to the website through that QR code and listen to the sonifications that we created. That's very cool. We'll link to that in the show notes. Jendaya, it has been awesome chatting with you about your project. Where is the project going next? And are you going to continue to be involved with astronomy research? Where's the project going next? So I've talked to Dr. Bianco and my advisors about this. Uh, what I was thinking through the direction of those that I've met at the PCW, we need to find those that are visually impaired and see how they react to things like this. 
Also, we want to see if we can sonify more things and just see where that takes us. Also, I would like to add that on our website, we have a glossary for that connection between astrophysicists and musicians. So there's some terms in astronomy that musicians may not know. So you can look on that and it's there. And then we have some terms in in music that astronomers may not know. So there's, we have that connection on that website. That's wonderful. It seems like it's really building a bridge between the two communities instead of just trying to go from astronomy to music without really thinking about how much theory is already built up about how people hear. Exactly. (laughs) Well, it sounds like a really cool project. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me about it. (laughs) And if you could just give a one sentence summary about the importance of sonification, what would that summary be? Ooh, I believe that sonification is important for those that are visual learners. I'm also a visual learner. And I also, as a musician, I understand things better by listening to certain things. People may not always want to (laughs) read and read more like excerpts about certain things. So I feel like sonifications such as mine that I've worked on are good for the community that mainly are visual and listening learners. (laughs) That's great. Well, we're excited to see where you go next with the sonifications. And it's been great having you on the show. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. (laughs) Thank you, Jindaya, for that lovely interview. And we're looking forward to hear more of your wonderful sonifications in the future. If you missed it, our last episode, episode 60, featured two interviews with different people who use sonification for education. So be sure to take a listen. It was our longest episode, and in my personal opinion, my favorite to produce. Not that I'm biased or anything. To summarize, sonification efforts promote inclusion, inspiration, innovation, and instruction, the four eyes of sonification. We hope that this challenge will equip more astronomers with the skills needed to use the wide range of available open source sonification tools while empowering all kinds of learners to study space and to contribute to our understanding of our place in the universe. Bit of a lofty goal. Give it a shot. I guarantee you, you're going to have fun. If you haven't heard our other episodes, you can learn more about Astro Soundbites, a graduate student-led astronomy research podcast at our website, astrosoundbites.com. Happy sonifying. We're really looking forward to listening to all of your sonifications. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to keep your ears to the cosmos.